Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast at a special time to anybody watching on the YouTube. Yes, we're starting at 11.55 a.m. because we've got a special guest coming on at noon and we just didn't want to, you know, just bombard you with the guests and everything. So we'll do five minutes before Andrew Brandt comes on. You might know him from Sports Illustrated. You might know him from being a former Packers exec. You might know him from his Sunday 7 newsletter or more his podcast. But he'll be on in about five minutes. We'll talk everything from CJGJ to negotiating free agency deals to all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Let's get into it. Let's bring on my guy, Kevin Kincaid, who looks like he's got a fresh new haircut going on. A little Jerry Curl action. A little uh, curls look good today, dude. Jerry Curl. Can you have a Jerry Curl when it's only like like an inch and a half? I guess you can. Oh, what do you need? More, more, uh, more party in the back for a Jerry Curl? I wasn't around in those days. I don't know. I couldn't actually tell you if it's the curls themselves or if it's the length or what what actually qualifies as a Jerry curl. Um, I probably couldn't even spell it. I think it's J A H R I. Yeah, you got it. J H E R I. Yeah. Don't say yeah. yourself so short there, Kev. Hey, the curls look good today. A lot of volume you got on there. I like it. Well, thank you. Yeah, I got it cut. I got the I got the spring summer haircut, you know, and I'm ready to do outside work i'm ready to uh get out of the house you know i'm, I'm motivated right you know it's yeah I, I can see it radiating off of you i can just yeah. see the motivation just radiating off mm-hmm. of you right now mm-hmm. I, mean, I think people are like wow that yeah. is an excitable guy that kevin kincaid right, right. now got, you some yard work. got some yard work lined up for later might actually cut it short today I might drop a few more stories and go out and do some raking you know all right Hey, yeah. you deserve it because you carried the blog the last day and a half. So I appreciate yeah. it, man. Yeah, it's like old days. I, I did like nine posts yesterday. So, man, look at you. Who works harder? It's not about working harder. It's about working smarter. Mm, I like that. I like that. So, so what are you? Are you a great clips guy? You a smart clips guy? You uh, uh, what's the what's the a sports clips guy? Which I was big when I was in Lansdale. I always went down to three or nine, got the sports clip, watch you know first take on the uh, on the TVs. Got the uh, exfoliation. Uh, they put the hot towel over you and everything. Give you the massage. Yeah, yeah. Love the triple play. Love the home run play as well. What do you, where, where are you going? Or a guy named different, Manny? Different spots. It's different spots depending on how long your hair is. I got like long curly hair. So when I keep it long and I get it like trimmed, I go to like whatever salon is nearby, right? Because guys, <coughs> barbers don't know how to cut that shit. You know I know. You go into a barber like with a mop and they're like, I don't know what to do here. You know? Yeah. So, I was true cut. Up until about 20, 21, 22. Like the army cut? Realized, like the US army? <laughs> yeah, you realize that the, that the yeah. guys who know how to cut crew cuts do not know how to uh, just no. keep it a little uh, <laughs> longer on the front so I can turn it to the side. And everybody looks like they're like uh, like an infantryman in like, uh, <laughs> like the, the movie Stripes with Bill Murray back in the day. There's another old school uh, pop culture reference for you, you know? Uh, no, different, different, uh, different places for different scenarios. You know, women are good at cutting long hair, men are good at cutting short hair, and vice versa. It doesn't really work, so it's just different mm-hmm. on different on different uh, points in time. Pagans, yeah. yeah. You think Bryce Harper's got a spring training haircut coming? Because God, did we get some good news today? The dude is not mm-hmm. going on the sixty day DL. Can you believe it? So yeah. Now, what did Zalecki say about it? Because he tweeted something about it not being that big of a deal. Is he talking about like a retroactive thing? Um, I mean, I, I think of this as a big deal just because I think about it as him. Maybe he was supposed to come back around the all-star break or after yeah. the all-star break. Now, I mean, the the season starts June 1st. So, you know, is he coming on? Is he going to be there? Or sorry, the season starts March 1st, April 1st for some, or March 30th. God damn. Or yeah. April 1st for some people. 
Um, does he come back June first? Does he come back mid June, or is this kind of just like, you know, I really don't understand how this. Even just well, even the technicalities aside, I mean, just the wording here and the language that they're using, and also Larry Boa, I think, going on WIP and saying like, "Hey, don't even put a timeline on this thing." I think that the way the the zeitgeist of the particular moment with Bryce Harper seems to be trending in a positive direction. Todd did say this. He said, "Quote: Bryce Harper will not open the season on the sixty day IL." Uh, they can put him on at any time if needed retroactive to opening day. This basically just keeps their options open. It doesn't mean he'll necessarily be back much earlier than he anticipated, but I, I don't know. It seems like it just feels like a more positive thing to me. I mean, it seem, seems like good news. Um, I mean, what's the alternative? They could say, well, he's, we're going to push it back or, you know, he's not ready. So I, I don't know. I'll keep keeping options open is a good thing. We will, we will take that for, for what it's worth, you know? No, uh, yeah. Keeping options is awesome. Yeah. This yeah. is what, uh, what Todd's like, said. Um, so yeah, that's your Bryce Harper update. Um, yeah. let's get into, um, our guests. Cause we only have 15 minutes with them. And let's we get it back to the up. Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The five minutes that we did on the Phillies, it's too much Phillies talk. We got to get it back to the Eagles. This is a Philly sports show. Yeah. As that's you right. know, let's welcome on our guest, Andrew Brandt. You probably know him because he does a little bit of everything. He writes for Sports Illustrated. He creates the he created the Sunday Seven newsletter. I'm a subscriber. I'm a subscriber. Love it every Sunday in my inbox. He hosts the Business and Sports podcast. He's a former Packers exec, and he also teaches at Villanova. So, Andrew, I want to know: Do you plan on teaching at a Philly school, a real Philly school, anytime soon? <laughs> you know, I moved back here from Green Bay. Uh, I married into a Philly girl family, so that's why I'm here. Um, but when I first moved back, I started teaching at Wharton. And so I was at University of Pennsylvania for several years when I came back here. But living out in the burbs, as I do, uh, I didn't want to deal with 76 anymore. So, so uh, Villanova is just a much better life for me for a seven-minute commute out here in the burbs versus uh, going down fighting 76 every day. All right. Well, you got your Philly card. You teach that pen. You taught it. Pen, you excuse me. <laughs> um, all right. We only got you for like 15 minutes. We want to hammer yeah. out some questions for you. So I'm sure you've seen it all. CJ Garner Johnson, the contract. There's like this interesting and we call it a proxy war here at Crossing Broad, where it's like once the deal was signed, it was it was signed late on uh, on Sunday, I believe there was immediately Eagles beats. Just obviously they got the text saying, hey, this was a deal, blah, blah, blah. You had uh, one guy like John Clark saying that C.J. Garner-Johnson was offered a deal at the beginning. He turned it down, so they allocated money to you know the defensive lineman, Fletcher Cox, uh, DBs and all what. And then you have uh, Jim Trotter, who I believe his name was, saying that the Eagles had the chance to match it, and they never did. Where, as a guy who used to negotiate these free agency deals, how do you kind of leverage information in a way, and what kind of goes into it so – you don't accept the fan base while also realizing this dude probably isn't coming back because you just don't have the cap space. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going into this. What, hap what happens is you negotiate a deal, you try to get a deal done, you do or don't get a deal done. When a deal gets done, in my history, and I know how he deals with this, agents want to spin it a certain way. They want to put out the fluff numbers, the non-guaranteed numbers, the way the contract value looks best for the client. That's what's been happening the last two weeks in free agency where you see there's reports that are totally unrealistic. All that matters, as you know, listening to me, is the guaranteed money, which is usually one year, maybe two years of real money. Uh, so when I when agents ask me to do that, I'm like, sure, whatever floats your boat. I mean, if you want to go tell Adam Schefter or Rappaport that the deal is worth twice as much as it is, 
no skin off my back. If that makes you feel good, the clients feel good. But there were times where I saw it get out of hand and I would touch base with our local guys. And I say, yeah, that's, if you really want to know the real deal, here it is, you know, just so you know, just so you know. Um, but the spin factor is where you have the agent want to present it in the light, best light possible, meaning that, no, he didn't turn down more from the Eagles. Here's what really happened. And I saw that tweet about, it was really 17 in the third. So yeah. really only 7 million over two years for CJ. And then you're talking about versus 8 million over one year. Of course, you're going to want the 8 million, 8 million one year versus seven over two. Uh, but who knows what the real offer was. But you have to spin it as an agent and you go to your media sources. Again, sometimes you're spinning it to make it look like you signed this great deal. Sometimes you're spinning it to say the reason why you didn't go back with, with a certain team. What do you make of... Not not just the fact that those numbers came out from them, but it came directly from them that they went public with it versus maybe going to a reporter having it come out that way. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, it's like, wow, the agent's actually doing this without spinning it through someone. You don't see a lot of that. Because no. agents are, you know what I say, the agents change their name this time of year to league sources. <laughs> uh, and that's who they are. They're always the agents. You can always right. surmise that. So, yeah, I mean, this guy, um, again, Agents along, it's a long horse race being an agent. And I just think those guys got to realize you're going to deal with the same people over and over again. Yeah, and if he's yeah. burned some bridges with this team, that's a problem because obviously yeah. he's going to have players wanting to come to this team. So I think you see the agents that have lasted like 30 something guy. When I was an agent 20 years ago, I was dealing with Drew Rosenhouse and Joel Siegel and IMG and athletes first. And here they are, they're still at it. So they've obviously developed some track records. What do you see? Like, so when was your last year with the Packers? Right when we made the transition. So uh, <laughs> if you're going to ask me about that, it was the, uh, we'll yeah, get, we'll get into that, that before you get off here. Yeah. But so it's interesting now because we, we joke about it here and I don't know how much you pay attention to uh, the Eagles and whatnot, but, there's yeah. a, a lot of serial tweeters and deleters. Have you have you seen that? CJ Garner Johnson, big, and he just had two today that he tweeted at the fans and stuff, and then deleted it. AJ Brown's guilty of it as well. But there was uh, there was that whole thing where he called out Jonathan Gannon after the Super Bowl that they never put him in position and everything. Deleted that one, of course. When you're in the front office, do you guys take that into consideration and take that into note? Where it's like obviously Jonathan Gannon didn't come back, so it wouldn't be as awkward. As a uh, as the first time they met again, but do you take that into consideration? You're like, yo, what what are you doing right now? We're trying to hammer out this deal, and you're kind of making us look like a, a joke. Yeah, and luckily for me, I didn't operate uh, in the age of social media, yeah. so that makes a big difference. But I do think that when you evaluate a player, it's always going to be what's the whole factor, what's in the stew, like how much is personality, how much talent, how much character issues, how much is he going to go off in the media. You know, and you know my saying, greater talent for greater tolerance. You can be A.J. Brown and pop off. You maybe can't be a down-the-line player. And we dealt with this all the time, where you're going to make allowances for speaking out, for whatever it is, for missing, for people that have special talent, but not for others. So it's always going to be a mix, you know, and I think maybe Gardner Johnson was someone that didn't have the, the sort of juice to be able to pop off. And, you know, I always look at players that either get traded or go in free agency. And you always look at, well, why? 
you know, why did the New Orleans Saints trade that guy for peanuts? What are we missing here? And don't say cap because the Saints always push out cap. So uh, I wonder about those things. And that's we also had a we weren't a free agent team in Green Bay because I asked that question all the time. Because he also was a first round grade, and he went in the third round during yeah. the during the draft. So there's also okay that behind the scene. What is uh, what's negotiating deals like? How much do we really know? Or you know, even before like the numbers, like the the you know sources is he's talking to here. There's interest here, or uh, you know, there was that whole thing with uh, Darius Slay's team um, where yeah. how he said, "Hey, you can go and, and and get a trade." How much do we really know, or how much is reported actually kind of true? Yeah, I mean, teams tend to be pretty tight-lipped and and the agents tend to be pretty loose-lipped. So you don't know what exactly is true out there. But, you know, in terms of negotiations, you know, I think what people have to understand is for 90 to 95% of NFL player negotiations, the team has the upper hand. You know, how many contracts are the Eagles doing this year? Well, 90% of them, they're telling the player what he's going to make, basically. All the draft picks, all the lower round guys, all the lower tier guys on the roster. And then now and then, Howie will do a contract where, yeah, the, the other side's got a little bit of leverage, whether it's the A.J. Brown deal or, uh, you know, whatever's going to be, Hassan Reddick. But that's why, as a team, you try to keep the negotiations early and I was doing this. Joe Banner was doing this. Get to guys early so they never get sniffs of free agency. Because once free agency is on the table, all bets are off. You can't negotiate the way you want to negotiate because you're beholden to other teams and the way they negotiate. And you know the saying, you're only as good as the worst deal out there. So everyone can find a safety that makes this, a corner that makes this, and say, hey, I'm better than that guy. And then you just have to deal with it. The one thing I, I had, and I've been asked a lot about this lately with Lamar Jackson, I had players come to me and say, hey, Andrew, you're cool. You're, you're a former agent. I don't need an agent. So we did deals straight up. And I thought at the beginning, that's cool. It's going to be fun. And I hated it. I hated it. And I, I know what Eric DaCosta, the Ravens, is going through. I don't know how he's dealt with this, where players want to negotiate directly. Because you're telling a guy he's not as good as he thinks. You're telling him his self-worth is not what it is. You're telling him, you know, they're not sophisticated negotiators. They're like, hey, I'm better than that guy. Pay me more. And I'm like, well, that guy's one year from free agency. You're three years from free. whatever. They don't want to hear that. Negotiations are emotional. They're raw. But they're also sophisticated where you're looking at value, right? It's not so much I'm better than him. What's the value? How close are you to free agency? What's your age? What's your history? What's your injury history? All these things go into the mix. And sometimes people don't appreciate that. Wow, like Kirk Cousins is making more. It doesn't matter. He was a free agent. Mm-hmm. This is all the things you have to lock in. It's a good segue, actually, because Philadelphia, as you know, is a very emotional thinking city when it comes to sports. I think a lot of fans <laughs> still have raw feelings about how Brian Dawkins left the organization 15 years ago. And so I'm always very curious of the balance with veteran guys, fan favorites about like when you let them walk versus keeping them around too long. Is it an emotional thing? Are you not willing to let go? Talk about Brandon Graham, Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox. I'm curious if you had a 
philosophy on that um you know as far as veterans and knowing when when's the time to walk away versus versus keeping a guy around yeah i mean you can see green bay and what's going on with aaron that that tended to be a philosophy there to kind of move on before it gets too late and always build a pipeline of young players coming in i think it's similar here in philly you know and by the way i did consult with the eagles for a couple years when andy and joe bought me brought me in there when howie was moving from cap to personnel and they need an experienced person to do some of the contracts. But I, I just think the Eagles, I mean, Andy came from Green Bay. It was the same thing when I worked with him. Um, and then you just have this feeling like, okay, where are we hanging on too long? It looks to me like what they've decided is just to continue this mix of a growing base of young players, but also have these guys around that they think can still be productive. You know, it was, you know, it was before it was Jason Peters. One more year. Let's squeeze another year out of them. Now they're squeezing more out of Graham and Cox and Kelsey because they're still productive. They're not what they were, but they're still productive. And they need that in the locker room with the young team. You got to find that right mix. You know, you never want to be an old cap loaded team like the Rams right now. And you never want to be this young team or you do really don't want to be the Bears, which are all young players with no payroll. So the Eagles are trying to get that mix. Hmm. Well, obviously now we're negotiating with uh, with Jalen Hurts. Um, mm-hmm. That's the guy that we hope that you know one day takes the pedestal of these Brandon Graham, Jason Kelsey's, and all of them. How would you approach uh, that contract negotiation with Jalen if you were in Howie's position? Yeah, it's fascinating because. As you know, we're in the three-year window, so every player drafted in the NFL cannot negotiate until they've been in three years, so we now hit it. So we've hit the mark. Along with him, there's Joe Burrow, there's Justin Herbert. Uh, What's going to happen here? I mean, because the elephant in the room is the Watson contract. It's a five-year fully secured contract. It's like an NBA, Major League Baseball contract. We've never seen one like it. And again, if I'm strictly speaking on the player side, I'm like, why wouldn't I ask for that? Why wouldn't I want that? I'm, I'm, I'm as good as Deshaun Watson, you know, whatever. I don't have the baggage. Jalen Hurts is the most upstanding guy you could ask for. So on the other hand, Howie's not going to do that. <laughs> they're not going to give him a fully secure deal. And I think the reason they're not is time under contract. Yes, he's not a first rounder, so he doesn't have two years left, but he has one year left. And then there are franchise tags. So that's the problem with players in the NFL. They're always going to be under contract control because of your left and, of course, the franchise tag. So what I think happens is Howie and the Eagles throw a ton of money at him, and he takes it, and it becomes one of these typical big-time quarterback deals where he's making pick a number, 40, 45, 50 million a year, but only the first two years, maybe two and a half, are secured. And everyone can say, well, of course, you don't need later guarantees for Jalen Hurts. Well, you do. I mean, that gives the team leverage if you don't. But I think if I'm Hurts, I want to think about, do I wait? Do I wait? Because he only gains leverage if he waits. He only gains leverage. Don't tell me he can get hurt because we've seen Dak Prescott get hurt and get more than he was going to get before. So I wonder if Hertz is thinking about waiting, not taking a deal this year and seeing what happens. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
I mean, again, you're going to turn down a ton of money, right? So mm-hmm. are you willing to do that? And teams are smart. They throw a ton of money at someone. They get a five, you know, Mahomes, 12 years, Josh Allen, nine, I don't know how long. But one thing if I was advising Hertz is don't take too long a deal because you're going to be up for another bite at the apple. Hopefully by age 30, take a three, four year deal. Uh, last one before we let you go, you know, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Everyone knows about it. Your experience with trading far, if you're there in the building and stuff, how does it compare? It's eerie. It's eerie because uh, we had a three-year quarterback, first rounder, sitting in the bullpen for three years, and we moved him into a place of a Hall of Famer. Now they've got a three-year first-round quarterback in the building, three years. They moved for a Hall of Famer. They're both going to be with the Jets. It's just eerie. Uh, you know, we believed in Aaron. We saw Aaron – those two years where Brett was in Mississippi during the offseason contemplating retirement, and we said, this is our guy. This, I mean, Greg Jennings and Donald Driver and James Jones coming up to the office like, you don't believe this guy. What an arm, what mobility, what street smarts on off the, off the charts. So we ascended Aaron Rodgers, and now they're doing the same with Jordan Love. I think it's, a, it's again, the Packers have decided that it's time. You know, three years of apprenticeship. Wow. It's time. And the hardest thing in sports, as the Eagles did with with Donovan, is moving on from the face of the franchise. But it was terrible. I I lived three years where Brett would call every week and say, you know what, Andrew, you know, you know what it's like to come into work every day and sit next to your replacement. And I'm sure Aaron felt that the last three years. And I'm sure Carson Wentz felt that. And it's just something where people don't think about, you know, these are humans as much as they're players. So you just try to be as professional, as tactful as you can. But a lot of Howie's job, a lot of management job is not negotiating contracts or picking players. It's managing the people. It's managing the building. That's what people don't get. So much of that is there's conflict all the time. You just have to manage it. Yeah, so when you see Ed Werder, you just get you just get transported right back to uh, that office in in Green Bay. Yeah, then I started at ESPN working with Ed, and we would we would always talk about that. Uh, but you know, and now Aaron, I mean, and I've been writing and talking about the leverage situation. I just, you know, obviously the Jets have a little leverage because they're the only suitor, but the Packers have extraordinary leverage because the Jets have flown their entire organization out to kiss the ring and uh you know they're signing alan lazard and they're like you know they're they're not going to go back to zach wilson you know they either make this trade or or bust so we'll see what happens well andrew thank you so much for coming on man we really appreciate all the time you you gave us and everything good luck with everything and uh if you want to read andrew uh the sunday seven news that i can't i can't talk more highly about it uh, it, it's, it's something I do look forward to every Sunday and it breaks down, you know, things that I don't even understand. So I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. And the other thing is, um, I'm doing these reels where I talk about this stuff on Instagram and then you see the tweet up there for people watching, uh, next Friday. So the 31st, I host a symposium on the program I run at Villanova. So I will be hosting people like Ross Tucker, Justin Tuck will be here, Carl Nassib, Uh, from Westchester, the first openly gay NFL player, and a sit-down, one hour, with Howie Roseman. So everyone should register for that uh, if they see it here, but just go to the Villanova site and the Morad, 
RAD symposium. Every year I host one. It'll be a great one. So just come on out uh, next Friday at Villanova. Perfect. And that's Andrew Brandt on Twitter, Andrew Brandt 2 on Instagram, if you want to get that link. Thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. I always enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks, Andrew. Cool. I may go to that because I don't have to get on 76. I can just go right down to Villanova from here. (laughs) 76 sucks. Like the fact that I don't want to go to Penn anymore. I don't want to teach at a prestigious school, so I don't have to get on to 76. It's just the ultimate, just like screw 76. Like 76, man. If I, if I'm 38 right now, if I got back all the time that I spent on 76, I would be 37. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I think I've spent at least a year sitting sitting on. Bro, I went I went on uh I went on four seventy six to seventy six. You know, I was talking about we were writing about the oldies.com building. Yeah, yeah, those, yeah, yeah. Those motherfuckers at Velocity Partners put a whole strip up on the building that they they bought the right. building and oldies.com got out of there within it two was days. Out of there in two seconds. I know because we were rel- we were going down there. Where was I going with my wife? Um oh we were going to Starfinder last week and um okay. And uh, I was like, hey, here's the thing that we were talking about on the site. And of course, it was taken, it took, it came down in like two seconds, you know? Yeah. It, it immediately threw something up there. And yeah, you know, yeah, rip, man. That was, that was a, it was a classic. That was a staple for seven years. That's when you knew you're all, you're only about 30 minutes outside of the, uh, from the Phillies game or the Sixers game. You know, you had to get past the, uh, what is it, 76, the blue, what do they call it? The blue route? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the part in Delco, the part that goes through Delco, yeah. But I was always, I would always look at the oldies.com thing and I'd immediately shift my gaze to the left to see if I could see how fucking backed up 76 was coming off of the whatever. And then I'd either go, you know, stay on the blue route and go down the stadium the back way or I would, I would, uh, you know, sit through traffic and, uh, you know. Um, can we talk a little bit more about CJGJ? Absolutely. Yeah. I, he's, who's, who do you think, who, who, who's the leader in the clubhouse for deleted tweets right now? Is it, uh, CJ Gardner Johnson or AJ Brown? It, it's it's like it's so bad. It's it's definitely CJ GJ. He had two today. Uh, AJ Brown had one yesterday, which I still think we're trying to decipher what he meant by the McDonald's to the Ruth Chris. I think he was taking a shot at uh, CJ GJ going from a literal like five star chain steakhouse to you know mystery meat. Uh, but I also think he was chiding the Eagles fans for getting mad at him for going from the five-star steakhouse to the mystery meat complex. Um, It's just been a lot. It's just kind of, we've talked about, we talked about this last week. If, if we had millions of dollars in the bank, uh, we'd be on an Island in, in the Caribbean somewhere. Yeah. I'd be Um, in Guam, man. I just don't know why we continuously, why I think the narrative that these guys see on social media is, and I think we see this in content a lot, especially with our Facebook commenters. Shout out you guys. You know, you get 10 positive comments and then the one negative comment is the one that sits with you. I think it's called like the 90, 10 rule or something like that. (laughs) And I think that's what these guys see in free agency. And they're just like, I can't believe the Eagles fans are switching up on us when I've seen probably 99% of people being like, Hey man, like go get yours. You know, I wish the Eagles would have matched it and whatnot, but you know, go get yours. This was him literally at 948 in the morning. Like he's up at 940 in the morning tweeting at Philly fans. It's wild. Philly fans call me overrated. LOL. Y'all was just my friend crying emojis, switch ups deleted. Yeah, I don't get it, man. It's just weird. Um, you know, when the, the news came out on Sunday night, that he's going to Detroit for one year, eight million. I was sitting here thinking like, well, I mean, like my first reaction was, yeah, the Eagles can absolutely match that. 
you know? So I, I was like, yeah, I, I think we knew the safety market was depressed too. Not that this, not that it needed a Xanax, that kind of depressed, but like it had, it, there was no value in it, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it was pretty, I think, I think the funny thing is, is like you, you talk about all this like shit floating around out there and like the agents fighting the front office on Twitter and using reporters as, as proxies and whatnot. Is it like, I think it's pretty easy enough to say that like maybe the safety market just didn't, wasn't what CJ or his agency expected. You know, I mean, it there the market really did not materialize in probably the way that that they had hoped, you know? And so I think it's very plausible to think that the Eagles made this offer. It wasn't, um, acted on. And so they got to go, go back and work with Slay and Bradbury and try to try to do that instead, you know? So I don't, you know, and look, I think you hit on something too. And you're saying, look, he was a first round talent that went in third round. We got a lot of tweeting and deleting, get the Gannon shit or whatever, you know, CJ, GJ, um, it's not seem like the, sharpest tool in the shed perhaps um but if he's going to bet on himself for a year on a team that's that's on the ascendancy as the british would say uh then okay it's not like the worst outcome in the world i think i think in a vacuum though you say hey the eagles lost one of their most productive players man when we when we put together those like arbitrary lists of who the most important free agents are for the eagles i mean cj gj hargrave bradbury one two three however you want to dice it up you know they lost two of those three so I, don't know, I think it's a little funky when you look at the fact that they've lost both starting linebackers, both starting safeties, kept both corners. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I just didn't expect it to play out like that. You know, I thought they would keep one of Bradbury or Slay. I thought they'd keep one mm-hmm. of Epps or Gardner Johnson. And then instead they kept both corners and, um, you know, lost both, both safeties. And that leads people to say, say shit like, well, maybe they just don't value the safety position. I don't know if they do or they don't, man, or if it's just that the market plays out that way and, and that, that this guy is what he is, you know? It'll be interesting. We'll see if Brian Branch is in play. They just signed a safety Justin Evans, Justin Evans seasons, but it's not really Justin Evans seasons because it's vanilla nice season, baby. Oh, yeah. We got vanilla nice season next year. Yeah. Pick off Reed, Aaron Rodgers. Blankenship, Reed Blankenship uh, taking yeah. the next step here. Yeah, he, yeah, he's going to take the next step. It's not going to be Kayvon Wallace. I'll tell you that. We're still waiting for that four years later. Baby Dawkins is what we all called. Remember that? Yeah. Are um, you a Jalen Mills guy or was the finger wag? You just want to do a shit post about the finger wag. I want to do a shit post about the finger wag and just really <laughs> give uh, a bunch of dads from the from the north or for the greater Philadelphia area PTSD. Uh, because- oh, they hate that shit, man. Oh, well, if you got him, if you have mills doing the finger wag next year you get darius slay smiling on the sidelines man there's going to be a lot of angry uh bucks county uh boomers out there man i tell you what just get back to the play i don't need to see you smile <laughs> finger the funny thing is like asante samuel you could argue that he's like a hall of famer and stuff and people like hated him because he couldn't tackle but he had like what eight picks one year and they're like but he can't tackle he can't yeah. wrap up he's not my kind of player and stuff mm-hmm. and then you have Jalen mills and i think Jalen mills might have been more polarizing but he did he was a part of one of the um all-time moments where um uh who was the atlanta falcons receiver in the end in, in the wild card game or no, uh, the divisional game, Julio Jones. Julio, Julio Jones. Jones didn't catch that pass in the uh, yeah, back of the end zone. He was wasn't, any, wasn't anywhere near him. And then he gives him the finger. Or the ball finger wagon yeah. is Matt Ryan throws it yeah. 20 feet over. Julio Completely Jones. uncatchable ball goes out of bounds <laughs> and mills with the finger wag. But I don't know, man. You got to do what you do to sustain, uh, you know, your uh, your your mojo or whatever. You got to put yourself in the, in the in a certain mindset. I, I don't know if they uh, – 
value that position or not. I mean, they 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 stuck. I got stuck on, uh, or not stuck on, but they lucked into Malcolm Jenkins being as good as he was for so mm-hmm. many years, you know. And then McLeod, and it was like, oh, now what? You know, we got two guys who were like at the end of their half decade runs here. So what do, what do we do with it? You know, but it's just. I don't know, man. I don't get the tweeting and deleting thing. My interpretation of AJ Brown was that, like, yeah, this guy went from a steakhouse to like a shitty fast food joint, but that's yeah. his decision, and we shouldn't hate on him. So, right? Did I interpret that correctly? I think that's probably the best interpretation I've seen okay. so far. I just couldn't tell initially if he was chiding the fans or CJ. I think he was chiding the fans, right? Because, like, if he yeah. wants to go from Ruth's Chris to McDonald's, okay, well, so be it. You know, like it's his his choice. Be better. Do better. Uh, it's my, least instant, favorite, my least favorite saying of all time. It's an instant block. Yeah, an instant it is. Block. Except from AJ, AJ Brown. Yeah, I'll make an exception for him. Uh, Philly fan did have a question. Were these guys this active on Twitter on their old teams? Um, CJGJ was very active on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, even before he was an Eagle, he would always just come up on my timeline and uh, he would be retweeted. Um, I don't remember as much um, AJ Brown. Um, speaking of Twitter, no. I don't know if you've noticed this. But I've assured noticed it. There are an insane amount of fight video accounts that have just sprung up on my account that I've not ever followed or ever interacted with. Mm. But things like Fight Haven or Banger Clips or Banger Clips, Banger Clips, yeah, Yeah. Banger Clips have just found their way. I'm watching and I and we grew up in the prime of the fight video era. Kimbo Slice. Kimbo Slice, yeah. In the backyard. Rip. Um, yeah. Just random. Uh, Masvidal, Jorge Masvidal was doing all that stuff. Yeah. Too back in the day. Fight yeah. Haven. Yeah, this is 1.7 million followers. Like, obviously, they have a, a brand. They have <laughs> Kid Fights a Teacher. Uh, what's the next one, Craig? It's like uh, well, Guys Fights... <laughs> special needs, special needs. Jesus Jesus oh my god man. yeah like this is the stuff this is the sad stuff popping up on my account it's it's insane oh, i don't man. know if it's some musk shit like this guy got stabbed like it's not even like all right we're good craig oh, hammer fists on the side. this is just smut um it's it, and some of them are like gruesome like yeah. gruesome stuff that i've never seen so i don't know if if, if elon's trying to uh promote more fighting if he's opened up a fighting league if he's in with dana white and they're getting into slap league or yeah. something like that again but uh there's a oh, lot the power more. slap shit oh my god don't even get yeah. me started on it. yeah the power slap. it's funny man. i don't know how the algorithm works but i watch a lot of mma like ufc clips on instagram or whatever and then you know i go into like the search thing or whatever and then it just starts showing me all this random mma from like all over the world so I get like I get like fucked up Russian Siberian MMA where it's like a where the weight classes aren't um aren't of uh, um God what's the word I'm looking for they, well, those heavyweight and lightweight guys going out yeah they're not they're not not mandated but um oh my God it, Vegas does this what's the the organization that uh whatever I'll think of the word <laughs> but anyway you got like so you got like a bantamweight fighting like a heavyweight and like or they put like three dudes in a cage or whatever and it's like a triple threat match sanctioned thank you sanctioned um like completely unsanctioned stuff that would never be sanctioned in the united states it's like four dudes and there's like a bear in the cage with them and like there's like a little person who's fighting like a regular you know sized human and they're like what the hell is all this shit that i'm like it's a wild it's a wild world over there man we could probably just you know aggregate fight videos all day long at crossing broad and have like a record 
you know, a record traffic year if we wanted to. But that's that's like uh, it's a little low hanging fruit, you know, a little low hanging. I understand what you're talking about, that it's low hanging fruit. But if you did a fight club and you used different counties around Philadelphia, so your Northeast, your Delcos, your Bucks, your Moncos, your Philadelphias, that would sell. <laughs> Delco versus Northeast might break pay-per-view records. The toughest guy from the Northeast versus the toughest guy in Delco. We'll make sure no one brings a shank. That would do insane numbers. We'll call Damon Feldman. Feldman, see what he's doing. You know, I mean, you can set it up for us. Maybe that'll be. Yeah, is that us branching out like like Barstool, like Porto? Like Porto doesn't even have anything to do with the website anymore. You know, he's just doing pizza reviews and you know getting West Virginia people to fight each other. Was that rough and rowdy? How he's doing? Would, yeah, yeah, that's like kind of a little bit unsanctioned, a little bit. But I think they do have classes and stuff. But mm. man, do you? I mean. You take the toughest guy in Delco versus the toughest guy in Northeast with just all this testosterone just flowing through them. And it, it would do numbers because, like, the dude who lost would probably not be able to show his face around his family or his community for at least, like, six months. Well, I don't know about you or your experience, but nobody in Monco knows how to fight. No, nobody got it. Nobody got in any real fights up here. We had little scuffles that didn't count. We basically hold our knee up like this while throwing punches because we were trying to block at the yeah. same time. Nobody wanted nobody wanted to actually get hit. A lot of grappling <laughs> in in the Monco. No, no, I know, I know. It's funny too because they have uh makes me laugh because I think Bill Algio is fighting at the next UFC uh pay-per-view or maybe the fight night that's coming up or whatever he's got a gym in uh king of prussia you know and uh i don't know are you an mma guy do you watch ufc at all i didn't even know usman was fighting this weekend usman and edwards yeah don't even get me started on that fight what a snoozer (laughs) that was but uh leon edwards is like my least favorite champion of all time i don't i don't know why but um there's a there's like a low-key underground like pretty good like fight scene in philly but I, i it just gets it just gets buried. And I mean, you like, should do a video down in Fishtown in Kensington at one of the uh, Eddie Alvarez gyms. Yeah, they did. I think it was, I think Ari, I think Helwani did like a good, like one hour walk around with him about the place that he grew up in in Kensington. I think Eddie lives in Northeast Philly now. I, th- I think Eddie getting out of the hood was like going to Northeast Philly and that was like paradise for him. You know, it's, it's a, you know, it's all relative when you, in, when you grow up at like, grow up at, uh, under the L or whatever, you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there was the Dawkins brothers. There's Eddie. There's Paul Felder. There's Bill Algae. I mean, there's a bunch of bunch of dudes, you know. So maybe we'll do maybe we'll do like a one-off MMA special on crossing broadcast one of these days. Yeah, maybe we can find the best MMA guys from Delco and from the Northeast. So it's more of like, hey, these are actually professional fighters that are actually fighting. Uh, Monko and Bucks. We probably won't be able to find anybody. We'll find some like twink slap fight, from Monko. Yeah. Yeah. versus some <laughs> twink from Council Rock South and uh, yeah. North Penn versus Council Rock South. That'll be a real battle for the ages. That'll be yeah, the 13 slot. to three yeah. Super Bowl. I saw more um, contact when we were playing smear at Boyertown Junior yeah. High East 20 years ago. You know, not a very physical uh, kind of thing, you know, but yeah, I've always found that interesting. You know, I actually enjoyed this last UFC pay-per-view because it was on before midnight. Mm hmm. You know, I was in the UK, so I'm like, oh, it's at five o'clock. Yeah, I can watch the illegal stream on my computer while I'm making dinner for the family. So, tell you watching WBC? I've been I've been keeping an eye on it. Yeah, I like it, man. It's, it's I like it. It's good. 
It yeah. is good. I, I wish the games weren't on at nine o'clock, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock at night. Like I think they yeah. could fi- they could fix that. But there's yeah. been a really good discussion about should guys play, should guys not play. Obviously, Diaz goes down, which looks like he's going down for the year. Altuve goes out, uh, broken thumb, eight to ten weeks. Garrett Stubbs, bad knee, he got sent home. Um, the pitcher, I was, I'm forgetting his name uh, for the Phillies, he had arm. Ranger Suarez, Suarez, he had arm tendonitis. He got sent home early and whatnot. Here's the thing that I think about. I think it's great. The numbers are up. I'd be interested to see what the numbers are like in the USA, but the numbers, um, the numbers internationally are awesome. They are selling out the, uh, the, the stadiums. I don't know if you watched last night's game. I saw some of the clips as Aranza or whatever his name is from the Tampa Bay Rays. He catches, yeah. he robs somebody at the fence. He's signing say, balls for Mexico. How do you say his last name again? I think it's Azarana or Azarena or, or Rosarena. Yeah. Rosarena. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, He's lucky yeah. that I even know. He's a Tampa Bay Ray. Um, he's that signing balls. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, the du- the Shohei's playing the dude who loved Bryce Harper, who the Phillies are on the Japanese guy. He hits a tying home run. Uh, and then we have now tonight, Japanese versus USA. And I'm really excited to watch it and whatnot. Now, the only thing is I would absolutely hate it. If Trey Turner got hit on the thumb and was out eight to 10 weeks. And I would well, say this is here's, stupid. Here's why that's, here's why that's all bullshit. Trey Turner could get hit on the thumb in spring training. You know, I, I like, Look at the end of the day, I, I don't. Everybody's all about, uh, you know, people look down on the WBC or they think it's not that big of a deal because we're expected to just run through the competition every time, you know, and we're probably going to win it again. Japan's good, but you know, if we win it again, that's people saying, eh, whatever. It means more to them than it does to us. You know, there's 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 like a there's a bit of a. <clears throat> a lose lose like college football kind of thing going going on here because it's like give you an example like if uh um you know penn state plays uh pick another shitty team in penn state college trying to avoid temple now if penn state plays uh pit pit before pit like had that good season you know then what is the upside for penn state because penn state is supposed to be pit and if they beat them then okay we took care of business and if they don't then it's a huge upset right so why would they want to play pen pit in the first place you know what i'm saying it's like west virginia and marshall it's like we beat marshall we're supposed to beat them you know if we uh lose to marshall it's like the most embarrassing thing ever so imagine if the united states went out in uh you know in the second round in the quarterfinal to like venezuela or something and turner, did. turner didn't hit that grand slam yeah. you know we'd all be talking about how it's a failure but nobody gives a shit and it's like i i USA one and a half uh, point favorite. Yeah, minus one thirty four on the money line. Japan plus one ten tonight. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, and I just like I think the over is probably definitely in play here, right? I mean, because the pitching has not exactly been amazing for. I think the over ten and a half has probably hit like in the last however many games. But um, I just sense a little bit of that. But you look at like what it means to Japan, what it means to Mexico, Venezuela. I mean, like all these these like teams and these fans and these countries are into it, you know. Mm-hmm. I've always, I've always said like I just I, the thing I like more than anything is meaningful baseball. We got a we got a months of 162 regular season games that don't mean jack shit. There are going to be plenty of baseball to watch this year, you know. But you don't get a lot of playoff baseball. Yeah, and the difference, you know, as you, as you well know, is that the, the, there's there's I, I've always said that there's no bigger Im- improvement or jump in quality or meaning between regular season and playoffs as there is in baseball. You know, just yeah. stakes well, are higher. Every pitch yeah. means more. So, like, that's what I, I don't know. That's what I feel like this is, man. I don't, 
you know, it's just higher stakes baseball that means something and people people like it, you know? Yeah, definitely. If guys want to do it, like I'm I'm all for it. Like like trade like we had three Phillies that did it this year. It, it was gonna be four if Bryce Harper doesn't get hurt. It's just like I I feel like it would it just doesn't mean as much as the World Cup. Obviously, we're talking about sports that are like the biggest sports in the world uh, when it comes to soccer and everything. And these guys yeah. are literally playing for their country. And like some of these countries, like <laughs> you look at Colombia and if you got an own goal, you know, you get murdered uh, in there. So like these dudes are literally playing for like their lives in some countries. Um, and USA is not that great in it. So when USA does very well, people get on board and everything. But going back to your point, having USA being um, not the favorite, but I think second or third favorite to uh, to win the whole thing, coming off a, a win in 2017, it just doesn't feel like people are chomping at the bit like they would be if like it was USA versus Japan in the World Cup this year. And that's why I think people are kind of still like, and, and going back to your point, you know, you can get hurt in the All-Star game, you can hurt in the Drew League in Summer League, you can get hurt, you know, Monte Ellis, you can hurt riding a skateboard, riding a bike. Um, but I just, I don't know. I know that if uh, if if I saw uh, Trey Turner take a take a ball off a thumb like I did Aaron Nolan Arenado the other day, I'd be pretty pissed off well, when, I'm, I, when I won a World Series yeah. or at least an NL East pennant. Well, I, I don't. It's funny too, man, because uh, you know all these people say like, "Well, we didn't even send our best roster." Well, I mean, it's like you know, it's most not- noticeable with the with the pitching. Yes. Of course, but you got Real Muto, Arenado, Trout. Goldschmidt, Trout, Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, you know, Schwarber. I mean, these are, these are, these are not nobodies. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not like we like pulled up a bunch of like minor league dudes and sent them down there. Like it, it's, it, and, you know, and- our, B, our B team, our C team should still be good enough to beat any of these countries. But I, I don't, I don't, I just, I don't know, man. If you like baseball and you call yourself a baseball fan, like, is this not a celebration of the sport and and how popular it is internationally? And shouldn't you be excited to watch it, to, to see people watch this and give a shit about it and see that other countries care about it? Like, it just seems like a slam dunk to me. You got the, we got the rest of the summer to watch 162. Yeah. Right. So can can we not? In, in, the, the more my, my philosophy is a simple one. It's like the more meaningful baseball we can get. Let's try to enjoy it. Throw it in November, though. Throw it in November, December. Don't throw it on spring training. After the world's, yeah, yeah. Because then if you do have like a Edwin Diaz or something like that, okay, then maybe maybe he comes back yeah. from the injury and he, he can play for the Mets this year. I get it. But I can't I can't do the like the injury stuff. And you can, you can put these dudes in bubble wrap and, th- you know, th- they could still fall off a, a, you know, a building or something. I don't know. Tony Ferguson like injured his foot tripping over a, a wire at a press conference or something. I mean, like this shit just happens. Like you just got to build it into – you could have you could have the best like security of all time at CVS, right? You still got to factor in damages and losses for that little shit kid that comes in and steals a candy bar, right? Like I don't know what the technical term for that is in retail, but you're gonna have like loss prevention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you budget that in, like it's un- it's unavoidable, man. And former former staple stock boy over here. I know, uh, all, about, oh, know yeah. all about loss prevention. Staples taught me. Uh, I just want I wanted to pull this up. I just sent it to Craig. What yeah. do you think? What do you think about the new Phillies scoreboard? People love scoreboard content. It's huge, man. 
people we should do more posts. Yeah, we should make sure we get a scoreboard post up on the website. People love scoreboard content. Instagram, Twitter, wherever. People. So the one on the left is the small scoreboard uh, centered Phillies words. Seems like they put the same Phillies. Uh, can we click on the? Can we zoom in on the second one there, uh, Craig? I know I only sent you. Whatever. Um, the bigger scoreboard, they moved Phillies to the left. So a little bit off centered. I don't know how it's going to do with the OCD folks, but they sent, they, they did the same Phillies lettering, which I thought they were getting different one. What do you think on uh, first look, first reveal of the, uh, of the Philly scoreboard? Like it's your wedding day, Kev. I love it, man. I got to tell you, I bought an, uh, one of the biggest purchases I've made in recent years was to buy myself a nice high quality 85 inch television, you know? I was thinking about trying to expense it and say I needed it for my job, but I don't know if they're going to go for that. But it's been worth it. It's been worth every dollar, man. It's been worth every single friggin' dollar. You know, I mean, how many? Because how, I think how many times am I going to be sitting on my ass watching this? Right? How many games are people going to be using this this scoreboard? You know, how much video is going to go up on it? You know, it's it's it. Yeah, it's worth. How it. many accidents is it going to cause from ninety five? You can see that bad boy. From ninety five, yeah. easy. Yeah, um, I'm gonna pull up the video of it, but holy crap! I mean, you can because they had that little that that little perch, that little area, that little gap in uh, in Citizens Bank Park where yeah. you can see perfectly into the stadium and how many people are there or how many people were not there. Uh, yeah. Craig, here's the uh, here's the tweet I'm about to give you. The um, Phillies are gonna be our ticket to paradise this year. Uh, there, there cannot be enough baseball content on the website this summer. We're going to have an editorial meeting, all three people who work for the website. Yeah, look at this. I mean, like, just drive Holy them. Shit. Yeah. It's monstrous. Someone's going to get caught rubbernecking. It's not going to be an accident. It's going to be, what's the score of the Phillies game? Yeah. Not notice that some dude, because there's an exit right around there. Some dude pulled over to the exit, slowed down a little bit, went over three lanes, and we're just going to have a, a three-car pileup, knock on wood. Oh, yeah, yeah. Justin Drobik's going to be on KYW News Radio. We have a gaper delay on 95 South because some dipshit was looking at the Jumbotron and crashed his car. You know, that's what we're up for. But there there cannot be enough. I, I should probably get a scoreboard post up right now. I should probably log off of this show and do a scoreboard post because everything that we do with the Phillies right now, it's like people click on it. You know, I mean, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen this much hype for a Phillies season in you know, I guess, you know, the Harper thing was big with the whole Harper pursuit, but that was more the spectacle of all the, mm-hmm. you know, the different like rumors and tweets and reports and then you know, the electrician Tom telling Manny to do the right thing and sign and all that shit. So that, that was just like a spectacle. But I mean, in terms of like actually looking forward to baseball being played, I mean, I mean, I haven't seen this probably probably since the year that I came back to Philly. Which I want to know. Years I want to know what they're doing with the old WB Mason sign on the scoreboard. I want it, or the old Toyota sign. Just have a big ass Toyota neon light in my two bedroom apartment. <laughs> would nightlight. you hang it on the wall though, or would you just lean it against the wall from your dresser? Or just make it a nightlight, like in Big Daddy when he brings the nightlight, and it's like live nudes. <laughs> <laughs> well, how? Just, so yeah, but you know, we should be able to do. We should be able to do some like reverse engineering here to find out how big these signs are. Because look, if you if you say that like. The Phillies on the thing on the right takes up half of the size, half of the width of the scoreboard, and the signs on the left take up about thirty-five percent of 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 that whole area. 
if we find the size of the new scoreboard and then figure out what like 33% of the width is, that's how big those signs are. Maybe we can get one of the guys in the comments to do it before we uh, sign off in about nine minutes. Because, you know, yeah. me and you can't do PEMDAS. And that's no, this will be much, like, I know this will have we'll have to try to redeem ourselves <laughs> here with like some simple math. He's like me trying to hang a picture on the wall. OK, it's 17 and a half inches. Does that mean I do not eight, eight point seven five? Yeah. Yeah. I, but it's um, it's funny because I like some people were saying like, well, do we, do we really need to spend money on this? OK, well, they put a new scoreboard up and then they went out and gave a bazillion to Trey Turner <laughs> anyway. So it's not so I think you know, some of the stuff that John Middleton's been saying, he actually had a great quote the other day. I don't remember where it came from. It may have been it may have been from a WIP appearance or something like that. But he was saying, you know, he, he named a couple of like the great teams in baseball history. I, I can't remember which ones. He was so it's a, we'll take one. Take like the 1929 Yankees, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. How, does anybody remember how much money the 1929 Yankees made? No. Does anybody remember the payroll of like the the 2016 Cubs team that finally won it all? No, no, nobody thinks about any of that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk about it in soccer because it's like, well, they just spent more money than everybody else, but they don't talk about it in baseball. Like they just do not talk about it, right? It, it's assumed that like there's at least a handful of teams that are all trying to do that. So yeah, I, I don't mean, know what happened to. Uh... I don't know what happened to 2014 to 2020, John Middleton, but I'm so glad he's gone. It's so great. Yeah. Um, how's your uh, How's your bracket doing? I don't know. I haven't looked at it. Okay. Um, well, I'm sure it's doing. I did shit. an auto. I did an auto fill in. I bet against West Virginia in the first round. I made my money, yeah. and then I wrote a 10 game win streak that ended with the Sixers last night. Well, everyone's so. getting smacked because I know. I'm sure you've been watching some college basketball over the weekend and stuff. Um, but Thursday night I, I, I was watching and I was, I was sitting at, uh, I think it was at time or no, I was at tradesman. Excuse me. I was sitting at tradesman's watching the game and everything. All of a sudden tweet comes across crossing broad. What the hell did we do to Dan Cilio? Nothing. <laughs> no shit to him. We've been nothing. We've got to torn into that guy and we've held off on tearing into that guy. And all he did was just. He just came after us. He came after 97.5. He came after WIP, obviously, because he's, you know, he needs to, he needs to get his name out there. He needs to get the clicks out there and everything. But like, I could have, I could have believed that. And I think that you, you know, I'm glad that you took the post because I was ready to just like eviscerate him and it would have been unfair and it would have kept him going and everything. But you did the right thing. You said what you said. You got out of it. And now we will probably, well, I know that we will now never talk about him ever again. What an absolute nobody. That was a weird thing to be a part of. On well, Thursday. I don't, you know, I know because people, there's always somebody or multiple people who say, why are you giving this guy the time of the day? You know, he just wants attention. He just wants somebody to latch on to it. You're giving, you're giving him exactly what he wants, blah, blah. Like I tell you straight up, like we, we like, we, there's thought that's put in, into this. Like we consciously say to ourselves, or at least I do, like, I see this guy fishing, you know, he's doing his hot takes and throwing them out there, but I'm not going to bite on that. And like, we've, re- I think Cilio has been mentioned like twice on the, on the, website ever you know so i'm not i'm not i i get it like we're selective in how we do it and who we go after and we usually only do it if it's justified you know um but in this case he he comes after us and just throws us we catch a stray as he's going after the radio stations you know so uh no i mean it's 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 more just like bullshit from from him talking coming from the seth joiner side of things where it's like you know fanboy media and apologist uh radio stations and all this shit and i'm like i you know he was one of those people who was just thumping the 
you know, the ground for, you know, the, this isn't good enough. This guy sucks. Jalen Hurts is not going to be good enough. The defensive coordinators, you know, him, him and Seth both coming from that former player mentality of like Negadelphia and spew a bunch of hot takes out there, flip flop on Jalen Hurts. And like, you know, the dude's been, and, the, and on top of that, the dude's been fired like three or four times for multiple radio jobs over the years for, <laughs> he was tweeting some ridiculous shit at Aaron Andrews a couple of years ago. He called a couple of players monkeys. Um, he put a bounty. He said on the radio he would offer a thousand dollars to anybody who knocks out like a Florida State player. I think he went to Miami. Okay. So he's a clown. He's a fucking clown. He always has been. And like, don't get up my ass. I don't need readers getting up my ass and saying like, "We're just giving this guy what he wants." But I explained our philosophy on this a million times about how attention is not currency. And part of the thing that we do, one of the things we've always done on the site, is just identify who's a who's a nobody and who's fake. And who's fraudulent so you know who to steer clear from and then giving credit where credit's due right i mean it's not you don't see anybody else writing about him because we, that's part of our brand is to kind of like categorize media and like point out when somebody's being a dickhead and when somebody's not being a dickhead so he he qualifies as being a dickhead you know so yeah he and, and the thing is with him is why he could ne- he won't be on the site or never is on the site because he's just categorically a dickhead every single day every single day it's just a new oh, yeah. team Eagles were done on March 13th. They're not, they have no chance to uh, to win the division or win the Super Bowl next year because they were declared dead by Dan on March 13th. And the old crossing broad, too. He would he could have been on there every single day. Like Kyle probably would have showed him no mercy, you know, just for being re- repeatedly being an idiot. So I think we're much more selective in how we choose to put those things up there. But he's just another shit flinger, throws stuff at the wall, will say anything to, to get a reaction. And we reacted once. So that's it. And there's not going to be any reaction beyond that you know so one more thing before we get out of here i wanted to update everybody else on because we did talk about it on thursday danny briere's kid was charged i was very surprised to see this i was surprised he got uh three charges criminal mischief criminal conspiracy to commit mischief disorderly conduct that came from john walro at the associated press i don't know i mean this is i'll just say what i want to say this just feels to me like a scare tactic to make an example out of the kid maybe he'll get a charge maybe he's not i don't, I don't see him getting a charge i think really just have the kid pay for uh pay for the wheelchair these will probably be dropped yeah. um, one or more of them. I mean, they're misdemeanors. Obviously, they're not felonies, right? Um, the food fight thing that I was telling you about the other day, yeah. I got charged with misdemeanors too. They get dropped? Yeah, yeah, because there was an agreement that, yeah, we made an agreement that we'll do mm-hmm. the fine and the community service and whatever, you know. But I mean, bring Craig, can you bring that up again so I can just look at it one more time? I think I had the same thing. I think I had disorderly conduct. Um, criminal mischief or criminal conspiracy inciting a riot was one of them actually believe it or not <laughs> funny um so what they gave him uh okay criminal mischief criminal criminal conspiracy to commit mischief and disorderly conduct i don't know what the hell the difference is criminal mischief and criminal conspiracy to commit mischief i think uh, i think that's um uh self uh like thinking on like not self-planned but uh, not mitigated. Like pre, you're talking about premeditated. Premeditated, like, my man. All right, there you go. Um, See, I don't, I don't do words. So the act, so the act itself, and then like the uh, intent uh, behind the act was he did it on purpose, and it was clear and deliberate. Okay, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah. You know, the woman who was in the wheelchair came out and said later that the thing that it was like a year old and it was worth two thousand dollars. And um, they shut down the GoFundMe. I guess she said she wanted to just donate it to 
charity. So to me, it's like, okay, this kid gets a few charges. They'll probably be dropped. He should have to pay for the damages and make the kid do like 10 to, you know, 20 to 40 hours of community service at like a local, you know, 20 to 40. Yeah. Those are rookie numbers. Big dog. We got to get those. I did. I did 50 on a stupid caught with marijuana charge. You did 50 hours of community service for hours to why? That well, that seems a little bit much. I mean, 40 hours is like a full fucking week. It's like five, eight hour volunteer shifts. You know what I'm saying? So I don't I don't think it has to be any more than that. But shout out to my guy Jose for with his the thing with like Briere's son, it's it's not about like like this is the dude's second like you know, go around with this shit, right? So obviously you gotta get do something that makes it click for him. Right. Okay. Well, how do we get this guy to understand it? Okay. Go do some community service. And then if you've learned whatever, but I'm not going to put the dude in jail. Like we talked about that, you know, lock him up. I'm not going to handcuff the dude and charge him with a felony. You know, I mean, yeah, this is probably appropriate. They'll probably drop the charges and settle on some kind of out of court agreement where he does something like that. You know, cause he's got to get back in the, on the team and be in their good graces anyway. So that's probably where that's headed. So yeah. Community service, pay for the chair. Let's call it a wrap on this uh, on this story. High profile yeah. case. Um, anything else before we sign off? I don't think so. No. Um, Dan Snyder's coming to Philly. The yeah, how about that? Eyewitness News. Yeah. What an asshole. Yeah. Isaac Sayamala went to Pittsburgh. We didn't talk about that either. But there's not a lot to talk about there because it just really, it probably means that, you know, Cam Jurgens is going yeah. over to guard. And uh, maybe it puts the offensive lineman into play at number ten too. I'm not really sure. Um, if that if that guard from Florida drops to thirty two, I mean I, they should absolutely go for him. I don't think he'll drop there. Bijan Robinson visited the Eagles. I wouldn't do it, man. Start the Bijan Robinson to Philadelphia takes. No, I think what Howie does is I think he probably trades back, grabs the best offensive or defensive lineman to wherever they trade back to somewhere in the teens, perhaps. And and goes for the reinforces the lines. I mean, can anybody not see that coming? Can't we see that coming from a mile away? Best defensive lineman on the board, best interior defensive lineman or end. Yeah, if you don't value the safety position or the linebacker position, you definitely get someone in the interior. All right. Anything on the Odyssey thing needs cut needs to cut costs to survive. That was an interesting article that came out on Friday that I probably didn't get as enough pub as it as it deserved. Hang on one sec. Let me see where the Odyssey stock currently is. It's eleven cents. Bye, 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 bye. Yeah, so they've got a lot of work to do. Okay, real quick. The Phillies said the uh, dimensions will be this from WHYY 152 feet wide um, for the new scoreboard. So, what's 152? Like, what's a third of 152? About 50, right? So, if you can you fit a 50 foot wide um, no, WB Mason thing no. in your house? <laughs> I think this apartment's like a a thousand square feet, a square feet to be okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't um, think I'm fitting a fifty. Damn, fifty foot wide, W. Mason sign. Yeah, yeah. What are you six foot five? So six foot five times. That's about eight of me. Well, no. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. All right. I hey, can put it on the top of my. I can put it on my roof. Put it in your uh, treehouse. Put it in your treehouse. <laughs> Might be a little off centered. Might be you know. I'm going to tear that thing down. So if anybody wants some scrap lumber, you can come get it. All right. Kevin underscore Kincaid on Twitter. Um, I just released a video, Ocean's Casino. It was a sponsorship video, but it doesn't feel like a sponsorship video. Do me a favor. Go watch that. Uh, You can get the link on Twitter, Instagram. It's on our YouTube page. Obviously, everyone on the YouTube knows where that's at. Um, Go watch that. I promise you, you'll laugh. 
basically the bit was I everybody at the sportsbook was on Duke, but there's this one asshole kid who was on Tennessee, and he let everybody in the sportsbook know that he was on Tennessee. So do me a favor and go watch that if you got the time, if you got five minutes today. And uh, Kev, thanks for coming on. Andrew Brandt, thanks for coming on. Craig on the ones and twos, I think he's asleep behind there. Uh, thank you for doing what you whatever you do back there. And uh, but most importantly, thank you to the listener because without you, this would all not be possible.